Take your Bible this morning, turn to Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. And uh, read a couple verses here to you. And then preach what the Lord laid on my heart. Hebrews chapter number 13. I thank God for Bible Baptist Church. And uh, Pastor uh, Ricky Gravely, I praise the Lord for him. And thank God that he uh, brought this church into our lives many years ago. And then brought us to this church. And I just thank the Lord for that. I thank all that God has done in my family. I too, like Brother Logan, God saved my children here. And I just thank the Lord for it. That God, the Holy Spirit, can move and speak to hearts. And show them their need. I don't want my children steeped in religion with a false profession. And I want God to convict them and show them their need. And I thank God that he came by and met with us. Uh, a few weeks ago, and, and then he meets with us every week here at Bible Baptist Church. I just thank the Lord for it. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 7. The Bible says, Remember them that hath the rule over you, who has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Skip down to verse number 17 with me. The Bible says, Obey them that hath the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account. They may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And I want to talk to you this morning on that little phrase in verse number 17. It says that they may do it with joy. That they may do it with joy. He's speaking here about the pastors, about the preachers, the men of God who stand and preach the word of God to uh, you and I week after week. I thank God for our pastor, our church, 61 years of age, two pastors, one for 37 years and one for the last now 24 years and going forward. I thank God that we have men of God that have stood and preached the word of God to us. And I want to be a church member uh, that is faithful, that is right, that is uh, uh, behind the man of God, that, that he may do his job, as the Bible says, with joy and not with grief. And that's not unprofitable for him, but the Bible says if, we, if we're a church member that causes our man of God to do his job with grief, it is unprofitable for you. It's unprofitable for me if that's, if that's our goal, if that's our job, if that's what we do, if we cause our man of God to do his job with grief and not with joy. Uh, the Bible here says, for that is unprofitable for you. The Bible tells us that in, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10, the Bible says that every one of us shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And we're all going to stand there and give an account for our lives. And we're really living our whole life here on this earth. We're living our whole life uh, for just that one moment, just that one opportunity to stand before the Lord and give the deeds done in the body. And that's what we're going to do one day. And, and, and how we live our lives and how we go about living for the Lord and, or how we go about not living for the Lord or how we go about just doing our daily things. And we're going to give an account for those things. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians, 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors or, or some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the, uh, uh, for the uh, let me turn over there so I don't misquote it, all right? Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 11, and, and he said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, notice verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The man of God was given to the church to perfect you and I, the saints of God, for the work of the ministry because one day we're going to stand before God and give an account. The Bible tells us that we're to obey them, to remember them that have to rule over us. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 7, it says, remember them that have to rule over you. Uh, and the word rule there means to guide. The Bible says, obey them in verse 17 of Hebrews that have the rule over us. And, and so he has the rule over you. He's the, uh, the pastor was given to us to guide us, to direct us, to show us how to live in this world, to, to, to say you're going off track here, or you're going off track there, and you need to be sure to get back on the path here. And I thank God for a man of God that's not afraid to stand up and, and tell you you may be going the wrong direction, that you may be going the wrong way, that you need to get back in the right way because listen, one day I'm going to give an account uh, before the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to make sure that I can stand there and hear well done we've been singing that song a lot lately uh, well done my child but I'll tell you you won't hear done if you uh, well done if you've not done well and uh, my friend we want to stand before the Lord and give an account because listen well, that's what we're going to have to do one day but the Bible tells us that the pastor that he gives to us a, a rule over us to guide us he gives us the word of God the Bible says in verse 7 Remember them that have to rule over you who has spoken unto you the word of God. I thank God that he preaches the Bible, uh, that he stands as 2 Timothy 4 tells us to preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come and they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust are they heap themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall be turned unto fables. And my friend, listen, uh, people that go against the man of God who preaches the word of God, they'll say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need the preaching of the word of God. Well, they're foolish. Uh, they're foolish. They say, I can just study the Bible all on my own. Well, you may study the Bible all on your own, but you'll study it as a foolish man does. You'll never come to the knowledge of the truth. You may profess yourself to be wise. As the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 1, they profess themselves to be wise, but they become foolish, and their foolish heart is darkened. Listen, the Bible says that faith, Hebrews chapter 10, or Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear without a what? A preacher. We must have the preaching of the word of God. Listen, the, we, we should make a joyful preacher. He guides us. He, he, he gives to us the word of God. He guards our soul. The Bible says, obey them that have to rule over you. As they uh, submit yourselves, notice, for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account. Do we realize that our preacher one day is going to stand and give an account to the Lord, not just for himself, but for this church? For how he watches for our souls? 
Oh, you're, you're fooling yourself. You think the man of God would just come and think just haphazardly. And I know there's people out there that would do that. We call them hirelings, that they just wouldn't care about the people of God. But listen, I'm glad we don't have that here. I'm glad we got a man of God that loves the word of God, loves the people of God, loves the church, and, and realizes that he's gonna give an account and what he preaches behind this pulpit, what he allows in this church, what he directs us to do. Listen, he's gonna give an account of that, one day, and listen, you and I uh, have a pastor, have a preacher that guards our soul. And I thank the Lord for that. I'm thankful that he's walking as a watchman that looks out over the city and gives warning as Ezekiel talks about, about a watchman there. And he tells him, said, if you see the enemy coming and you he give not warning, their blood will I require at thy hands. And he talks about giving warning. And listen, I'm glad we got one that watches for our souls. Amen. I don't know how much time I got, but let me just finish up here. It says here to remember him. We want to make a joyful preacher. Number one, we got to remember him. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number seven says, remember them that have to rule over you. The word remember means to call to mind. It would be good to remember our preacher every now and then, to call him to mind. Listen, it'd be good to remember that he's human, that he may have some faults and some failures. Hey, it may be good to remember that he, that he likes to be fueled and backed up and preaching and, and say amen to him and praise the Lord and hallelujah and raise your hand and just be faithful and show up. It might just be remembered that you want to call him to mind that he has a family that needs to be loved and needs to be cared for and needs to be fed and needs to be taken care of. And I thank God that we at Bible Baptist Church have opportunity to remember the man of God, to call to mind all that God has done for him. The Bible tells us not only to remember him, but the Bible says whose faith follow, whose faith follow. The word follow means to imitate. The word faith there is a belief that moves us to action. A faith that moves us to action. You see, in any church, there can only be one head. There can only be one leader. I know it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. But the under-shepherd is the man of God, the preacher. And listen, you and I as a church member, it's not our job to stand up and say, well, I think we ought to do it this way. I think we ought to go that way. Oh, you want to build a building? Here's what I think we ought to. No, that's not what we do. We just get behind the man of God and say, preacher, you pray about it. If God directs you that way, I just believe I can follow that faith. I can just obey that faith. I can just get behind what God has laid on your heart. And I tell you, listen, if you'll do that as a church member, your preacher will do his job with joy and not with grief. And it won't be unprofitable for you and I. Just get behind the man of God and say, wherever he leads me, I will follow. Whatever he feeds me, I will swallow and just keep on going uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't try to get off on your own way. Don't try to backbite and bellyache and, and get complain, sir. I don't know why we give all that money to missionaries. I don't know why we give all that money out. We need money ourselves. Hey, listen, if God lays it on his heart, just say, hey, that's the man of God God put in my heart. I'm just going to follow his faith and just do what God has put in his heart to do and just believe God can do it and meet the need. Amen. So we follow his faith. We obey him. The Bible says obey them that hath the rule over you. The word obey just simply means do what you're told. Do 
what you're told. And listen, your job as a church member is to do what the man of God says. Listen, he preaches on sin, quit sinning. Get the sin out of your life. Get on the altar and get right with God. He tells you to go soul winning, get busy passing out tracts and telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets up and preaches the word of God and tells you to do thus and thus. Get busy, get behind it and do what God said. And then he says, not only follow his faith, not only remember him and obey him, uh, but the Bible says, submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. The word submit means to yield to his authority willingly. Submit yourselves, come under his authority. You may be in a place of, uh, of leadership wherever you work. You may be in a place of, uh, of high esteem and authority wherever it is you are. But when you come in the house of God, when you come to the church and you become a member of the church, you submit yourself to the man of God. You come under the authority willingly. Don't come in as a peacock trying to brag about yourself and try to say, this is what I think, this is what I do. Just submit yourselves. Listen, if you won't submit yourselves here to the man of God, don't think you're submitting yourself to the Lord. You're not. You're not. You will submit yourself to the Lord. Listen, a rebellious heart towards the man of God is not is a, a direct link to a rebellious heart to the Lord Himself. I promise you that. Submit yourself. Yield to His authority willingly. And then lastly, the Bible says in verse number 18, the writer says, Pray for us. Pray for the man of God. Take his name before the throne of God. Take his name to the Lord and give, ask God to bring mercy and grace to help him and give him direction. Listen, as Brother Allen said, if I have a problem with you, I'll either come to you and speak to you privately or I'll take it to the Lord. I tell you what we ought to do instead of running down the man of God to every church member we'll find that'll listen is take his name to the Lord and say, oh Lord, my preacher's doing this and I just think he's wrong. Oh God, I think he's going the wrong direction. God, would you stir his heart? The Lord will do one of two things. He will change his heart or he'll change your heart, one of the two. Listen, God will direct us and to show us, but we must pray for the man of God. I tell you, the preacher wants to do his job with joy. I don't know a preacher yet that wants to rule and reign over people and just be dictatorial or anything like that. Nobody likes being mean. Nobody likes being cantankerous. Nobody likes conflict. Nobody likes to fight. But listen, the man of God needs to get up and preach without with boldness and courage. Listen, he has no greater joy, as John writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And listen, that's the same as the preacher of the man of, the man of God who have no greater joy than to hear that you and I as the people of God and the members of Bible Baptist Church walk in truth. I tell you, it's unprofitable for us. I want my preacher to do his job with joy. Amen? I want him not to have grief when he stands before the Lord and hears about people that have gone astray. You don't know the heartache of a pastor that has people that leave and go astray. I tell you, fathers, if you're here this morning and you're thinking about going astray, oh, please reconsider. I read in the Bible of a prodigal son that goes away and a father that stays. And a prodigal son had a place to come home to. But I read in that very same Bible of a prodigal father that goes astray in the book of Ruth and the whole family dies. My friend... Prodigal fathers have no place to come home to most of the time. They lead their family astray and it destroys them all. Oh, God, help us to help our preacher do his job with joy and not with grief. God bless you.
First Thessalonians chapter number four, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13, very familiar scripture this morning, but I just want to encourage you in the Lord this morning, that's kind of my heart, and so uh, we're going to read here in verse number 13, the Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and with the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I say to you this morning, if we just read verse 13 to verse number 18, we could just shout the house down and go home if it get in our hearts real good that the Lord is coming back again. And so I want to preach for the next few moments on this thought on the church caught out. The church caught out. I want to uh, draw attention here in verse number 13. The Bible says, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. I see that the rapture of the church is a positive truth this morning because it is connected with the saints. He says, I will not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep. I'm thankful that the Bible has given us a lot of truths in the scriptures and that the saints are going to be called out out someday. And so I draw to attention the word brethren and the word hope. I say to you this morning, there's no room for sad faces in the house of God. We are brethren. That means that we are the children of God. And we are the children of God, and that gives us the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our God and Savior. But not only do we see that it is connected with the saints, but it is also a positive truth because it is confirmed by the Savior. In verse number 14, the Bible says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep with Jesus will God bring with him. And uh, the, I, I tell you, because Jesus rose again on the third day, he gives us the blessed hope that someday we shall rise again someday. And I tell you, he died on the cross this morning. He died on the cross to pardon the sins of the world and to pardon iniquity. But if he had died on the cross and that had been the only thing, then we would have been no different than all other religions. But because Jesus rose again on the third day, he has given us the victory this morning. And because of that, in verse number 13, 14 through verse number 18, we have been given a positive truth that the Lord is coming again. But also we see that it is communication communicated in the scriptures. The Bible says in verse 15, for we say unto you by the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for my Bible this morning. We are here this morning because of God's wonderful book, Divine. If it wasn't for the Word of God, we might as well board up the windows, lock the doors, and never come back in this place again. And you say, well, why do you rest your, your whole well-being on the, on the Word of God? Because it is a definite truth. It is a honest truth. It is a truth that has stood the test of time through all the ages. And because it has stood the test of time, even before my existence, it is good enough for me. And so Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians, he said, we say unto you by the word of the Lord. You say, how do you know the Lord's coming again? Because he said so in his word. And because he said so in his word, I have a blessed hope this morning. And so not only is it a positive truth, but the rapture of the church is second of all a precious truth. It is a precious truth. You say, why is it a precious truth? I say to you, because it involves a return. It involves a return. The Bible says in verse Verse number 15, it says, or verse number 16, the Lord himself. 
I look at the person here in this return. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. I'm glad that he's not sending a representative to come back to get me. He's not going to send back an angel, but he himself is going to come back and call us out of here. I tell you, it's good enough for me. Amen. Uh, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. But then I not only see the person of the return, but I see the power of his return. He shall come forth with a shout. And it's not going to be a voice of, of Gabriel. It's not going to be the voice of Michael. But it's going to be the Lord himself shall, shall shout and come back to get his children home. I tell you, there's something about a shout. And you say, why is the preacher always emphasizing shouting in the, word, in, the, in, in the house of God? I tell you, it's because a shout will shake the cores of hell. Uh, I tell you, it'll, it'll enthuse the saints. And you look through the Old Testament all through the course of Scripture, and shouting is a, is a cause of victory. It is a call of rapture. It is a call uh, that brought forth victory in the children of Israel. And I tell you, it's going to be the same thing that's going to call us out of here and bring us victory by the word of the Lord. Uh, that's why the Scripture deals with the Scriptures that says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together because there's something about when the church gets together and starts to shout. There's something about that. Uh, I tell you, it encourages the saints, but one day we're going to hear the shout. John said in the book of Revelation, he said, I heard a voice from heaven saying, come up hither. And I tell you, that same voice that John heard is the exact same voice that we're going to hear one day. And I tell you, it's going to be the saints that's going to hear that call. And uh, the world's going to be looking behind saying, where in the world did they go? But I tell you, I will not be here. As the song says, call me gone. I'm going to be out of here. You won't be hearing from me, thank God, because I'm going to be out of here. And uh, so not only does it involve a return, but it involves a resurrection. The Bible says and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I tell you, those that's died and already gone on before us, there's going to be a resurrection. They're going to be caught up out of this, out of this old earth, this old grave that these bodies lay in. That, that's not a permanent thing. Uh, that's why when we can lay those loved ones in the, in the grave, it's not going to be an eternal thing and we can shout and we can rejoice. We do sorrow. We do, we do, uh, we do grieve and that's just a natural process of death. But I tell tell you we don't have to say that way because we know that someday we're going to be seeing them again because Jesus resurrected on the third day we also have a promise of a resurrection one day as well and so not only does it involve a resurrection but it involves a rapture then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up amen thank God we're going to be caught up Amen. I tell you, you say, I don't like flying. Well, one day you're going to love it. And we're going to be caught out of here. We're going to say goodbye to this old world. I tell you, this world has nothing to offer me this, this morning. It's getting bleaker and bleaker every time you turn on the news. And I don't do that so often these days because I'm just sick and tired of what this world has. But I'm so glad that though the world is going in disarray and everything seems to be falling apart, I have a blessed truth this morning. And the worse that this world gets, the more confirmed it is that we're fixing to get out of here and it will not be long. And uh, so there's a rapture and there's also, uh, because it's a precious truth, involves a reunion. Thank God it will be a glad reunion day. I've had that song on my mind all morning. Glad day, some wonderful day. It will be a glad reunion day. It'll be the largest, it'll be the longest, it'll be the loveliest family reunion we've ever had in our lives. I've got a lot of precious loved ones who've gone on before and I miss them dearly, but thank God they're not going to be gone forever, amen. We're going to have a reunion day. 
someday in the air. And I don't know, you say, I've lost a lot of loved ones. I look out across the congregation. We can think of many loved ones that have passed on uh, in the years through this church. I've only been here 10 years. But I tell you, there's been a lot of people come and gone from this place. But I tell you, someday we're going to have a good reunion day. We're celebrating homecoming today. And we're having a good time gathering together. But there's a lot of people missing. But I tell you, someday we're going to have a homecoming like this world has never seen before. We're going to be called out of here, thank God, and it will be a glad reunion day. That is the precious truth we have in the rapture. But not only that, but lastly, the rapture of the church is a practical truth. I'm thank, I'm, I thank God that the Word of God is practical. I'm glad that the Scripture is practical. I don't have to go through some 20-step program to try to understand what the Scripture is talking about. You see, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Amen. He says, you, you people, you're sorrowing and you're grieving about your loved ones, but, but I'm just letting you know it's not going to be that way forever. And so don't sorrow as others which have no hope because we, as the children of God, do have a hope. It is a practical truth, he says, to comfort one another with these words. You say, how often? I say, as often as you will, comfort one another with these words because we do live in perilous times, but it's not, it's not always going to be this way. People, uh, especially the saints of God, walk around with sad faces and they walk around so uh, lonely and so broken hearted and I tell you the children of God ought to be the most happiest most blessed and most at peace people in the entire world I tell you God doesn't desire that we live life in defeat he wants us to live life victoriously because of this blessed truth that we hold in these scriptures and so we see that is a practical truth and because it is a practical truth it will stimulate you to serve the Lord it will stimulate you to serve the Lord. And not only will it stimulate you to serve, but it also uh, stimulates you to sacrifice a little bit. When you think about what all God's done and the fact that, that, that He's fixing to come again, you don't have a problem sacrifi sacrificing your billfold. You won't have a problem sacrificing a little bit of time at church to worship the one who gave it all for you. You won't have a problem going and knocking on some doors and telling others about the Lord and uh, hanging a few gospel tracts uh, to a few people that are lost and dying and have no hope because it would stimulate you to serve and it would stimulate you to sacrifice a little bit of your time and your flesh this morning. And not only will it do that, but it will also strengthen you. It will strengthen you in sickness. It will strengthen you in sorrow. And I tell you, the world don't understand this. They don't understand how people can, in, in the times of, of greatest grief, when you should be at your lowest, could be able to raise your hands in victory and be able to shout to the Lord God Almighty. And I tell you, they, they're not going to understand. They will not understand. So uh, we shouldn't try to waste our time trying to get them to understand, but get them to the foot of the cross so that one day they will be able to understand how we can have so much peace in the, in the time of sorrow, in the time of, of sickness. Not only that, but uh, it, it will sanctify you. Amen. It is practical, and the practicality will sanctify you. Uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse number 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
You see, the Bible is not dealing with how we, sh- how we ought to live when we get over there, but how we ought to live here. And that's the practicality of the scriptures is that it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. I'm thankful this morning that I can live soberly. You can live soberly. You say, are you talking about alcohol? I could be necessarily if that's what you're thinking about. But I'm just talking about living with a, a steadfast mind. Living with a mind that is steadfast on something and that it's not constantly worrying and wondering about the next event, but it will uh, teach you to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, which equals a peaceful and a godly life. D.L. Moody stated this. He says, The devil does not want us to see this truth concerning the return of the Lord, for nothing would wake up the church so much. The moment a person takes hold of them truths that Jesus Christ is coming about back again to receive us unto himself, this world loses its hold upon him. Now I say, what so much truth could be taught here? And I think that's why Paul makes it so clear in Thessalonians that we are not to be ignorant of the church being called out. That we are not to be ignorant about the rapture. You ought not be uh, bothered about the rapture of the church. I see some people like, it just bothers me to think about it. And I tell you, when the rapture of the church takes place, That is an event that is unlike anything that we've ever witnessed on this earth before. And so it is somewhat natural to be a little bit in wonder about the things that will take place at the rapture of the church. Because we're used to just going through the mundane, Monday through Sunday kind of deal. uh, But we're fixing to see some things that we've never seen before. But you don't have to be troubled about those things. The church ought not go through life troubled. And I I think it would do us a lot of good if we just get a good dose of reminder of the rapture of the church and to rejoice in the fact that this is not all there is to it. And if you're here this morning and you're lost and you say, well, if the rapture of the church takes place this very moment, I'm not going, then you can know beyond any shadow of doubt. That's what what makes us so distinct from other religions. It's not because we hold some kind of title, but because we hold fast to the truths in this word. It's not based on our opinions and our ideas and a council that got together and put together some grand book of ideologies. That's not what this is all about. We hold fast to the principles of the word of God and it's proven itself true over and over again. I tell you, you don't have to live life in wonder. You don't have to lay your head on your pillow at night and wonder where you'll be if you do not take your next breath. You don't have to live that way. And then if you're here and you're saved and you're living life in defeat, do not stay that way. The devil's having a heyday if that's you. And if he can keep you discouraged and he can keep you downtrodden and worrying about the next events of life, then you're not going to be of any earthly benefit for the cause of Christ whatsoever. He knows that. So you're to live peaceful. You're to live with the mentality that this could be the moment of the return of the Lord. And Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, and he talks about that we're not to uh, live life like this is it, but to press toward something, to have a goal in mind. And if you live life with that mentality, you don't have a problem living for the Lord. You don't have a problem coming into the house of God and worshiping Him and honoring Him and telling others about the Lord. I tell you, we have a blessed truth. The church is getting out of here, and I can't wait this morning. How's your life, and how are you living, and are you ready for the return of the Lord? Thank you, brother.